If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSIN, the sports betting network. It's hour number three of the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Esports Bank Network. We've got a tremendous hour for you as we're going to be joined by Mackenzie Kramer in about 15 minutes. He does great work over at ESPN, taking a look at things in terms of the sets information department, doing a great job sending out all those great tweets that we see on that front. On top of that, he does a great job over there with their show, The Daily Wager. So we're going to be chatting with him about what he's taking a look at for the Super Bowl. On top of that, I do think that he's got a few golf picks as well. So we're going to be diving into a little bit of golf and a little bit of football here in our number three. And we're going to get you guys covered in terms of college basketball. If you missed my DK Nation pick from our number two, we're going to be refreshing that in our number three. And we're going to be taking a look at some SEC basketball here involving a team in Mississippi State that has been playing a lot of unders this season. We shall see if this is going to be one of those rare circumstances where that trend, it is going to be sort of going in the opposite direction. 735, 736 on the betting board. LSU, they hit the road. They're facing off against Mississippi State. And LSU, a 9.5 point underdog in a lot of spots. I'm seeing here at Circa, a 10 pop-up, but mostly seeing 9.5. Totals anywhere between 126.5 and 127.5. This is up from the opener of 125.5. And honestly, on the opener, I did think that you got a little bit of value with regards to this over, I set my total at a 127. Now that we're getting up to, I'm seeing a 127.5 out there. This is a total that seems to be climbing just across the board. I think that once you reach out 127.5, that's your buy point on the under. I set my total at 127. And with Mississippi State, 
They've been anemic on offense. They have a tremendous on defense. They're a top 10 team in the country. in terms of points a lot on a per possession basis. And they really do all things well in terms of defense as they do a nice job of being able to generate turnovers, getting a little bit over 15 per game. They do a nice job in terms of rebounding. Tolu Smith, DJ Jeffries, they've been able to combine for about 14 and a half rebounds per game. Smith is your lone double-digit score for this Mississippi State team. He's done a solid job coming in, been able to give the team about 14 points per game, but really past that, you don't have any double-figure scores on this team. Flip side, you've got an LSU team that things have went down the tubes for them. They've been able to exceed 70 points in just one out of their last eight games. It's been less than savory to say the least. So you have Justin Hill, or Justice Hill, along Trey Hannibal, who have been able to both combine to be able to give you about six rebounds per game. Neither guy gives you north of eight points per game, though, and KJ Williams has been able to do a solid job, 16 points, seven rebounds, six for 10 combo player. It's able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range, but I think that Tolu Smith and company is a very bad matchup for him for one. And two, we've been seeing that performance taper off, fewer than 14 points in four out of the last five games, so that's a big time time issue when it comes to this LSU team for LSU. Just a team that, in general, I don't think is going to be a matchup on the glass. You do have Derek Founders able to give you about eight points, four rebounds per game, but it felt like LSU was really building some nice momentum out of conference. They were playing relatively solid, and they have just been swallowed whole right now by the SEC, and sometimes that happens with really good conferences because right now you're clear number one conference in college basketball, the Big 12. I was previewing a lot of those games in the last segment, but the SEC has been rather impressive as well, and the hallmark of the SEC, just very tough, very rambunctious defenses. You certainly have that in this ordeal, so I do think that it is a circumstance where Mississippi State, they're going to be able to get their defensive front going. And I do think that for Mississippi State, they're going to start to get a little bit more offense going. Deshaun Davis, he's been able to shoot over 40% from three-point range for this team. He's able to supply you with about eight and a half points per game. You've been noticing a little bit more out of the backcourt. So it is a circumstance where I did set my line at 10, nine and a half, the max I'm willing to lay, but I'm willing to lay it. And with this total... At 127.5 or more, like we're starting to see come onto the board, it is a take for me on the under. What else is a little bit of a take for me is, well, a team has been a fade all season long and continuing to enact that fade. 731-732, St. Joe's. They had thrown face-off against Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago is now a 3.5 to a 4-point favorite. They open up as a 3-point favorite. Money has been coming in on Loyola Chicago. Don't ask me why. Total on this game is between 141 and 141 and a half. And that is always one of the toughest things that I always do take a look at because sometimes I'll get questions on social media at GNR Scorty One wondering, oh, why is has this line moved from like three to four, four to five? And if it goes against my logic, I just toss up my hands typically. And I'm just doing that right now with regards to this one because the last time these two teams played, Loyola Chicago lost by north of 25 points. It's a loyal Chicago team that has not been good all season long. Now, good news is they're coming off of having just six turnovers in their last game against George Mason, and that is something because this bunch has been turning the ball over 16 times per game, and it's been a less than savory for them. For this loyal Chicago team, you don't have a single guy in the roster that gives you north of six rebounds per game. I was expecting good things from Bryce Golden coming in from Butler. He has been a bust. He's been able to give you five and a half points per game. He... Not really shy well from three-point range. They thought that St. Thomas, and that is his name, St. Thomas, was going to give you something down low. 
he's been injured for half the season. When he's been out there, he has not been too terrific. I mean, everything has gone wrong for Loyal Chicago. And what's the one thing that you were always able to hang your hat on if you were a fan of Loyal Chicago? Good defense. They're now about 269th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Going up against the St. Joe's team that not like this team is necessarily going to be lauded for their defense or anything like that. But you know what? They're about 150th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. You got a pair of guys that really are the main headline scorers for this team. That would be Cam Brown along with Eric Reynolds Jr. They both have been able to combine for just under 32 points per game. Both of these guys shooting the high 30s from three-point range. With Brown, he's able to give you six rebounds per game and legitimately the top rebounder in this game. And then you've got Ojekbe Obiana. He's been able to give you about five rebounds per game. Was significantly more effective last season. But Lynn Greer III being able to give you nine points Right around four and a half rebounds, four assists, being a good Swiss Army knife guy. That is solid for a St. Joe's team that among their top five scores, four of them do give you at least a steal per game as well. I think that this is a little bit of a bad matchup for Loyal Chicago. I do not think that we're going to be seeing another 25 plus point blowout. That would be a little bit ridiculous, but that said, hard to be backing a Loyal Chicago team that has been one of the worst cover teams in all of college basketball this year. I mean, you want to talk about teams that are absolutely lighting your money on fire. Loyola Chicago, fourth worst covered team in all of college basketball. It's 6-16 six against the spread. The only teams that are worse, Tulsa, Notre Dame, and LIU. So, circumstance where I'm going to look at a fade Loyola Chicago once again. Could only set them as a 2.5 point favorite. And with this total, I did set my total at a 138.5. This is a Loyola Chicago team that they've been rough on defense. But they've also been rough on offense. So we're going to be looking at the under and taking the points with our good friend St. Joe's in this spot. I did mention that the worst cover team in all of college basketball in Tulsa. Hey, they play on Wednesday. Let's see if we can find a little bit of value with them. 721-722 on the betting board. It is Houston playing also Tulsa and Tulsa. Anywhere between a 25 and a half to a 26 and a half point underdog. Total on this game is anywhere between 138 and a half and 139. Something that you don't see very often is a north of 25-point spread in terms of a conference college basketball game, and yet I am going to be willing to lay the number. This has just been really bad with this salsa bunch. You've got someone in Sam Griffin who's able to give you 15 points per game, but Tulsa, a team that ranks in the top 100 in terms of total possessions per game. They rank in the bottom 75 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Other than Brian Selbongu, who comes in from Montreal, Quebec. You haven't been able to get really anyone to give you north of five and a half rebounds per game. And they go up against a Houston team that just absolutely mauls you. Houston is committing about nine and a half turnovers per game. They do a good job of being able to control the game because they're absolutely dominant on defense. A top five team in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. But on top of that, they do a really good job of just being able to execute their overall game. And. There are very few teams that are quite like this Houston team because in big spreads, they typically are able to come up big and they're able to cover a lot of these. As for this Houston team, I mean, you just take a look at what they've been able to do the last three or so years under Calvin Sampson with the way that they do a nice job of hitting the glass. It's a team that the last 30 games in which they have been at least a 20-point favorite, this dates back all the way to about the 2007 season. So if you want to... Make it a little bit more, I guess you call it palatable. So 2018 and on 
this has been a team that has really been able to do a good job of bearing down against the spread since the beginning of the calendar year of 2018. They've had 28 games in which they have been at least a 20-point favorite. They're in these games 18-9-1 against the spread. They actually do a good job of covering these really large spreads, and it's because they do a great job of just being able to play defense. Last time these two teams met, 89-50. It was Blowout City that was in the city of Tulsa, and with Houston, what I like for this team is the fact that Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser have really been able to get it going from three-point range. They both shoot north of 36% from three-point range. You did see Sasser have a little bit of a rough start to begin the season with regards to his three-point shooting. He has been able to pick it up recently. You figured that he would. Jamal Shedd does a nice job of making things so effective for this Houston team. I mentioned the fact that they really don't turn the ball over like a lot. He gives out 5.3 assists to fewer than two turnovers per game. This team does a good job of re rebounding by committee. And then you've got Jarris Walker. He's been able to do a nice job. Nice combo player that's able to give you about 11.5 points. Chips in their six boards. Shoots over 40% from three-point range. You throw in there Jawan Roberts being able to give you north of six rebounds per game as well. And I do think that Houston is going to be able to do it to Tulsa once again. This Houston team has been highly reliable in big-time spreads. I think that they're going to be able to do so here. And I do think that this is going to be a little bit lower scoring. I don't think that Houston gets to 89 like they did the first time around. I very well think that they can hold Tulsa to fewer than 55 points in this spot, though, as well. So I did set my total more around to 133 and a half. I'm going to be looking at the under, and I'm willing to lay the Mondo number with Houston. Set them as a 27-point favorite. And coming up next, we take a look at the Super Bowl with Mackenzie Kramer of ESPN next, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday... 
I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. on VSN, the sports betting network. The big game means big plans over here at VSN. VSN is in the middle of all the action and broadcasting live from radio and re- in Phoenix with athlete and celebrity interviews. And our experts break down the game. You won't want to miss any of VSN's coverage. Huddle up and watch. Follow the money of the Lombardi Line, VSN Final Countdown, and VSN Prime Time. All from Radio Row that is going on right now. And for betting splits, expert picks, and big game props, head on over to vsin.com. That is at vsin.com. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on vsin, the Sports Betting Network. And it's great to be joined by our guest, Mackenzie Kramer. He does great work over at ESPN and their stats and information department, along with their show, The Daily Wager. And Mackenzie, first things first, before we dive into the Super Bowl, congratulations on another nice poker win, as I know that you do a great job on that front. So, always great to have you aboard. I swear, I've gotten more congratulations on uh, this one cash than I have for any of my other bigger caches I had in the past. But uh, I'll take it. Always good to win one. And, uh, and uh, always good to talk to you, Greg. Well, I follow you on Twitter, and I saw the, and I saw the picture at MacNova, and well, I think that that's part of the reason why, because I saw the photo, and I'm like, all right, there we go. Very, very nice to see that, and we're gonna be looking to cash on the Super Bowl as right now we're finding this number with the Eagles staying steady, one and a half point favorites. You're seeing a straight two out there with a total of 151, and. In terms of a lot of the props that you're taking a look at in the Super Bowl, has your opinion been changing over the course of the last week or so with the information that's come out? Because for myself, it's been nice to be able to see that the Chiefs are going to have a lot of their skill guys out there, but there's really not been anything earth-shattering. And my opinion on the game just really hasn't changed since, I would say, about Sunday night into Monday. 
I agree. I've been hoping to get a bigger lean on this game because it is the Super Bowl. You want to have bets on the Super Bowl. I made a couple small bets last week when the line came out. Uh, one of them is aging pretty well with the total, which is now 51, which is a uh, I don't I definitely don't want to be betting over 51. I think that number is about as high as uh, as it should be. So I have a little bit of the over 49 and a half. But yeah, from the last week, the injury news, there's really been nothing overall surprising. Miko Hardman being out, maybe that affects some of the Chiefs peripheral wide receivers, but it's so hard to predict those guys. Or I'm not really diving into that market anyway, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Not a whole lot's changed for me in the last week. Absolutely. And just in terms of the full game itself, have you been having any sort of lean in terms of the total? Because I do think that typically taking a look at the total as compared to the props itself as well, this can be a little bit correlated and I just see a little bit more of an under game because you do have a pair of quarterbacks that they are still a little bit banged up. So I do have a bit more trepidation being able to dive in on and over in this spot. But with that said, I do think that it is going to be a game that is going to be relatively tight. And I think that both of these defenses are going to step up a little bit more than people are giving them credit for. See, my first lean for this game was the over because I just see two explosive offenses. And I think both of them can match up pretty well with the other on the on the Eagles side, I think their offensive line should be able to push the Chiefs around on, on that side of the ball. And on the other side, I think that Patrick, the Chiefs passing game can have some success against the Eagles secondary, especially attacking the middle of the field, avoiding Darius Slay, avoiding Bradbury with Travis Kelsey. So I think there are some positive matchups on each side. Like you mentioned, though, the quarterbacks, that's pretty scary to get you on that. And, and the offensive line woes in terms of the Chiefs, in terms of are they going to be able to sustain all these drives? Are they going to have some big sack on a second and 10 that knocks them into a field goal instead of a touchdown or forces them into a punt? And, you know, the, the one thing that scares me about the over in this game is long sustained drives on each side and maybe settling for three instead of seven. But it's so hard to take an under with both of these offenses. So I grabbed a little bit of the over 49 and a half. I was thinking about maybe if I wanted a bit more in the 50 and a half, but now that's gone. And 51, I think that's a stay away from me. I don't blame me there. I do think that this total going up to 51 is quite impactful. And I know that you're taking a look at perhaps some ways to be able to get a little bit of plus money, a little bit of value in terms of just some of these props. And I know one market that you're taking a look at is MVP. You've geared away from the two quarterbacks. Why did you decide to gear away from the two quarterbacks? And who are you on? Well, I lean the Chiefs in the game. So I tend to lean on the Chiefs side. But to me, when it comes down to Super Bowl MVP, you want to kind of handicap both sides in terms of if they win, how does the game go? And if on the Eagles side, I think that all roads lead to Jalen Hurts. I think that if the receivers have a big game, that means Jalen Hurts is having a big game. And I think Jalen Hurts kind of boxes them out a little bit because he has that rushing ability. He's slightly plus money to score a touchdown in this game. He scored a lot of touchdowns this year. We can get to that prop in a little bit. And his rushing props 49 and a half. So I think that Pretty much whatever happens on the Eagles side, it's going to be because of Jalen Hurts, unless maybe you want to throw a dart at some defensive player to kick off Mahomes a couple of times, but I don't really want to play that game. But my lean on this game is that I made Travis Kelsey. 15 to 1, I saw it, Circa. I was monitoring the smart market. I didn't think I would have a better that. I've seen Kelsey at 10 to 1 in most places, but then I saw a 15 to 1 at Circa and I bet this bet that this morning. I understand that Mahomes has a lot of win equity in this market. I totally get it. If the Chiefs win, it's probably because Patrick Mahomes had a big game. The Chiefs win to me, it's because Patrick Mahomes had a big game throwing to Travis Kelsey. And like I mentioned before, I think the Chiefs can have some success throwing to Kelsey, avoiding Bradbury and Slay. I mean, Kelsey's props are around 79 and a half, seven and a half receptions I've seen. So the market expects him to have a really big game. And if the Chiefs win, is Mahomes really, you know, 
five, 10 times more likely to win than Travis Kelsey? I really don't think so. We've seen a lot of, we saw Cooper Cup win in this award market last year. We've seen some other receivers win in the past. Holmes is likely going to win the MVP on Thursday. At least I hope so. He's already won a Super Bowl MVP. Travis Kelsey might be the best tight end of all time or very close to it. If he has a big game, I could see this being coronation for Kelsey. He's never really gotten his flowers in terms of a major award. And if he has a big game and it's close between Kelsey and Mahomes, a lot of people think it's a lock for Mahomes. I think Kelsey's very live at that point. And at 15 to one, I think it's worth the, uh, the ambulance. And it's so interesting as well, because I see at DraftKings, you're able to just bet on the position that wins MVP. Quarterbacks listed at minus 650, and obviously this is an award that is geared a little bit more towards quarterbacks, but minus 650 just seems like really bad value. And even if you wanted to just make it a little bit more to where if it were maybe someone off the beaten path that were, was able to win it. You could just take tight end at 9-1, to one, receiver at plus 650, and I still think that there's a little bit of value there just because I do feel like in terms of Super Bowl MVP, all it takes is one or two big giant plays to be able to win this award. You do sometimes see that with the defense, and I think that the quarterback gets a little bit too hyped up because certainly for a full season, you want to be looking at all quarterbacks, but in just one particular game, just one or two plays sways this award. My only issue with that is that both of these offenses are pretty fractured. It's very difficult to pinpoint who that guy is going to be. And obviously if that guy has a big game, then you might be able to hit a long shot winner, but I don't see any of these chiefs peripheral parts besides Travis Kelsey putting up a big enough game to win. Like, you're, you're banking on a Kadarius Tony, what, two or three touchdown game? Like at that point, just bet him to score two or th- two or three touchdowns. Or same thing with one of these other guys. On the Eagles side, I already mentioned the receivers, why I don't like them. We haven't seen a running back win this award since Terrell Davis in the late 90s. Running backs typically don't win this award. We saw a couple of years ago, I had a big Damian Williams ticket. That game ended. I thought I had a good chance to win that. And then Patrick Mahomes won, even though Damian Williams had a huge statistical game that day. And I think with the Eagles splitting their carries between their three running backs, or really two and a half running backs, I don't know if anybody in the Eagles is going to have that big enough of a game to, to chirp the quarterback. So to me, I think this is Mahomes, Hurts, and Kelsey so much of the time. So I don't know if I would take that anti-prop. I would rather just maybe take a couple long shots and hope for the best. But like I said, Kelsey's my only bet in that market, and I don't really see playing anything else there. And you did mention the Eagles running backs because I know that you've got a few bets on some of these Eagles running backs. What are you expecting from the backfield of the Eagles in this game, and what have you all fired in on? Yeah, it's really interesting because I seem seems like Kenny Gainwell is getting a lot of talk around the market. I know that a lot of people on my show Daily Wager like Kenny Gainwell, I've heard other shows talk about him. He's had a higher snap share and more rushing yards this postseason than Miles Sanders. So you might look at those props, which is about a 40-yard gap between him and Sanders, and that might stand out to you. And it, and it kind of does stand out. But if you dig a little bit deeper, most of Gainwell's carries have come in garbage time. In one-score games this postseason, Sanders has 14 of their carries, Gainwell's got five, and Boston Scott's only got one. I do think there is upside in Gainwell, but I think that most likely comes in an Eagles blowout. So the way kind of like to bet on Gainwell is to bet on the ceiling outcome as opposed to the median outcome, because the median outcome, I could easily see him getting four or five carries and, you know, maybe he gets 19 and a half, maybe he doesn't. But if the ceiling outcome of an Eagles blowout win, which I don't think is going to happen, but it's, it's certainly in the, in, in the realm of possibilities. Gainwell to lead the, lead the game in rushing around 15 to one. I took him at 17 to one. I thought that was worth a little bit of a play. And like I said, usually when the games are close, the ball goes to Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell second. Boston Scott 
he barely gets the ball in these games or close. So I also took him under three and a half rushes. I had to lay a lot of juice around minus 160, but you look at his rushes this season, he's got 66 carries, exactly one third of them, 22, have come when up at least three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And of his carries have come up two touchdowns. So if the Eagles are going to blow him out, then I'm probably going to lose that bet, but maybe I'll win the Gainwell one. But if the Eagles don't blow them out and Gainwell and Sanders stay healthy, I think Boston Scott under three and a half rushes is a really good bet. I do think that that's so interesting to take a look at just in form of the game script because I know you're taking a look at a little bit of something in terms of the defense. I know you've got a little bit of special teams props that you've got along with some golf for this week as well as we're going to be joined by Mackenzie Kramer as well who does great work at ESPN on the flip side here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. on VSN, the sports betting network. You have questions on betting on the Super Bowl, wondering how to hedge. Maybe you're looking for an unusual prop or insights from one of our hosts. The VSN Big Game Help Desk is here for you. Submit your questions at vsn.com slash helpdesk and it could be answered by one of our experts on air or at vsn.com. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSN, the sports betting network. Every single time I... Take a look at the help desk. I think that there should be someone in just a very, very, like, the white shirt just answering the call or something like that, like you see on the movies. So, unfortunately, I can't provide that, but what we can provide is a little bit of help from Mackenzie Kramer, who does great work over at ESPN, and he does great work on their show, The Daily Wager, as well. And, Mackenzie, I know that you're taking a look at, in a little bit of the game script, the defense and special teams in this game as well. How do you evaluate sort of the defense and special teams and what have you fired on in terms of this aspect of the game? Because I do think that that is something that is always unique to the Super Bowl and special teams, sometimes it can be very special for these winners and or losers in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and when it comes to special teams, I think there's a number of different ways you can look at it and the markets that I've kind of narrowed in on are more field goals in the game and the first team to kick a field goal. And in both those markets, the odds are relatively even. Some are shaded slightly toward the Chiefs. Some are slightly shaded toward the Eagles. But I really like the Chiefs in that spot. And there's a couple reasons why. First of all, if you look at the field goal attempts during the regular season, the or during the whole season, including the playoffs, the Chiefs have attempted seven more. So getting even odds there is already somewhat appealing. You dig a little bit deeper, the Eagles have attempted – only only more than two field goals once all season. And that came in week 18 against the Giants when the Giants didn't play anybody in that glorified preseason game. So in real games against real competition with a healthy quarterback, they picked two or few two, two or fewer field goals in every single game. So and you look at a couple other things, when you look at fourth down, the Eagles on fourth down, they have the fourth highest rate to go for it. The Chiefs rank 28th in that category. Nick Sirianni is a much more aggressive coach than Andy Reid, and I think Reid is going to be more willing to settle for field goals than Sirianni is. So at pretty close to even money, I really like the Chiefs in both of those markets just because I think the Chiefs are more apt to kick field goals in this game than the Eagles are. And then on the other side of the ball, the other prop that I made on the defensive side I took the Eagles under three sacks. I've seen under three and under two and a half. I would probably want the three. I'll lay a little bit of extra juice on that. I saw that at minus 130. And yes, the Chiefs offensive line is is going to be a little bit overmatched against the Eagles defensive line. But the Chiefs still have a very good offensive line. And the thing with Patrick Mahomes is when he is pressured, he takes sacks at the lowest rate in the NFL. 
even when he's under pressure, he finds ways to get out of it. And I know he's got the ankle that he may not be 100%, but he's still found ways to avoid sacks all season. In fact, you look at his game log in 19 games this year, he's taken more than three sacks once all year. He took four sacks in one game. That's it. So I trust Mahomes to be able to stay out of trouble in this game. And this Eagle sack him four times, then, hey, I'm going to lose my bet. But I trust Patrick Mahomes, and I think he's going to be able to stay upright for the most part in this game. And trusting in Patrick Mahomes is something that has proven to be profitable just time and time again. That's part of the reason why I'm currently taking a look at Chiefs' money line. I've been sort of trying to make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted just because I would hate to see some injury information and be able to, A, either get a better money line price or B, have that really affect the Kansas City Chiefs. You just want to make sure that you're being as safe as humanly possible when it comes to the biggest game out there. But certainly I'm taking a look at the Chiefs myself. And I know something that you're taking a look at, McKenzie, is the Waste Management Open. It's a very unique Super Bowl in that the Waste Management Open happens every single year. But for those that are out there in Phoenix, Arizona, they're really getting treated to some good sports this week because not only do you have the Super Bowl, but you've got one of the best events, in my opinion, in all of golf. You get the party that goes on on the 16th. It's absolutely tremendous just for a viewing perspective. And it's always even better when you're able to make a little bit of money on it. Mackenzie, what are you taking a look at in terms of the Waste Management Open? Yeah, I'm super excited for this tournament. This is a great field. We've had a couple of rough fields and three course events the last few weeks or two course events. Now we have one event with an elite field in Phoenix. It's going to be a raucous crowd. I can't wait for this one. I've made a bunch of bets in this one. Um, first of all, I'm going to look at the top of the board. You have Roy McIlroy and John Rahm are the two favorites. Rahm has a slight edge, and I understand why he's been playing great golf and he's got a great course history, but Maybe Rory McIlroy is playing just as well, if not better than John Rahm, if you look at his overseas results and just his results in general recently. He hasn't come in the top five in his last several starts. So in the head market, you can get Rory around plus 130, plus 135 against Rahm. I like that. I think Rahm and Rory should be about minus 110. I might even favor Rory slightly. So I like getting Rory at plus money at the top of the market. I looked at the Rory 9-1 to range, but... I can't lay that that big of a number in this strong of a field. So I had to like go a little bit further down the board and I've made four outright bets right now. Top the highest uh, price guy I bet is Colin Morikawa plus 18.50. I got him at circuit. He was 25 to one earlier in the week. So I missed out the best number though. I did find about a 15 to one to be the top American, which I like even more, especially since a lot of my other bets are going to be overseas, but Morikawa's ball striking is the level it was a couple of years ago when he was maybe the best ball striker on tour, certainly the best iron player on tour. And if he can get that together, this is a ball striker's paradise in Scottsdale. And I, we've seen a lot of guys who who had that really strong approach game win this tournament. And when it comes to that, I think Morikawa is one of the best guys in the world. So I think 18 to one range, that's a good number on him. Justin Thomas, another guy that is one of the best iron players in the world, 25 to one. We haven't seen him 25 to one in over a year and a half. We don't get these odds on Justin Thomas. He's a guy who's won many times on tour, a proven winner. This is just a numbers play on Justin Thomas, 25 to one. I think that's too big on him. And there's a couple other numbers plays I'm making. Victor Hovland, 40 to one. I know he's missed the cut here in both of his starts here, but this is a guy that his ball is 
uh, tee to green game is at least the driving and the approach game. I think that stands up to anybody in the world. And I think his numbers being beaten down a little bit just because of his course history, but I think only two starts. I think he can handle this atmosphere. I think it's just, you know, a little bit of a small sample size there. 40 to one. I can't resist Hovland. And then the other guy I bet Shane Lowry, 70 to one. I bet him at, which I, it's hard to believe that price. In fact, just like Justin Thomas, we haven't seen Lowry with those odds in the last 18 months. Like this is a guy who's 40 to one, 35 to one to win the majors this year. I know heading into the majors future market is you're never going to get good, good odds on that. But still, this is a guy who's shorter odds in majors than he is this week. And it's not like his form is that bad. He, he, he came 18th a couple of weeks ago. I know he missed the cut last week. He did change his caddy, which I know can put some people off of him, but I'm betting on a ceiling outcome when I'm betting on Shane Lowry to win. Maybe the caddy move is exactly what he needed to get his mind right. I'm sure that Lowry knows himself more than any of us do. Maybe it blows up in his face and he misses the cut. Whatever. And, I'm, you know, he doesn't have to win that off. Got to win one every 71 times for me to make my money. But I think Lowry at 70 to one, that's a good bet. It was just four months ago where he was beating Rory McIlroy and John Rahm at, at Wetworth. So it hasn't been that long since we've seen Lowry in the winner's circle at a big event. So I like Shane Lowry in this field. Um, a couple of other small bets I made, I made Justin Thomas over Cam Young around the minus 115 range. I think Thomas is just a higher class of golfer than Young. And I think Young coming back from overseas, we've never seen Young win on tour. So I think he's just a little bit overvalued in the market. I love his talent, but I think he's a little bit inconsistent. And then Colin Morikawa over Homa, again, minus 110. I just think he's the better golfer. And then one last long shot top 20 bet as I ramble on here about uh, one of my favorite tournaments of the year. Trey Mullinax, top 20 bet, around 5-1, to one, very good course history, big-time driver, has played a lot this year. There are a couple guys that in most of these fields I like to bet on every week just because I believe in their talent. Trey Mullinax has been one of those guys for me this year. He hit uh, it was either he hit one of the, with the, uh, the secondary events last year for me at the big number. So Mullinax, I like the way he's been playing. 350 to one. I threw five bucks on that, but I like the more the top 20 bet uh, at, at the five to one range. So that's where I'm looking at Scottsdale this weekend. Hey, if he's able to turn your $5 into north of a thousand dollars, I'm sure that you'll be very happy about that. And how about you take a look at some of the guys that did well in last year's event with Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, guys that finished in the top five. And how much do you give credence to that? And how much do you think that that's priced into it? Because I know that both of these guys are in the top five in terms of the odds board to be able to win it. I mean, when it comes to the top of the odds board to any of these tournaments, you're kind of looking for more reasons not to bet guys than reasons to bet guys, because all of these guys are elite. Like, you know, I'm, I bet, I'm betting Rory McIlroy over John Rahm. John Rahm is maybe the second hottest golfer in the world behind Rory McIlroy. So you're just looking for reasons to bet against guys. Maybe guys are overvalued because of their course history and you want to avoid them. Maybe you think their course history is not being valued enough. That's part of the reason I like Justin Thomas, because he's got a pretty good course history. He's never won. Same with Xander Shoffley, who I looked at pretty closely at 16 to one, but I just couldn't get there when I can get guys at bigger numbers that I like similar. But course history is always something you look at. Scottsdale, too, has got the dynamic of the 16th hole, so you kind of want to see if guys can handle that. I know I kind of contradicted that by betting Hovland, who's got no course history here, but that's to me trying to get a value on a number on Hovland. So course history is always a factor. It's never the main factor for me, and in different courses it matters more. But uh, this week you look at it a little bit, but it's not the main factor for me. Well, we've got a lot of course history with the Waste Management Open, and your history on this show is supreme, Mackenzie. Always do appreciate the time. Thank you. Let's hit some St. Joe's tomorrow.
Yes, let's do so. Mackenzie Kramer does great work over at ESPN. Always great to have him aboard on the Greg Peterson Experience. And coming next, I give you my DK Nation pick for this college basketball Wednesday here on Beeson, the Sports Bank Note. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This Sunday is going to be the last Sunday of football, and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be as you can win up to $10,000 in bonus money instantly by playing in our exclusive Bet Rivers Squares this football season. Place $10 or more in qualifying bets, and you get a square on the house. If the numbers on the square match up with the final score of the game, you win. Restrictions on qualifying wagers, eligibility bonus, and credit use full terms and conditions are available at BetRiversSquares.com. We're back here on the final segment of the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Esports Betting Network. Great to have Mackenzie Kramer aboard. It was great to chat with him. Last few segments, taking a look at the Super Bowl and also a little bit of action on the course with the Waste Management Open. And it really is one of the best events out there in golf. You get the 16th hole party going on and it's going to be a great week for any of you guys that are out there in the wonderful state of Arizona. So great to be able to talk with Mackenzie in the last segment, a little bit of a programming note. If you're listening live to the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN.com, YouTube TV, what have you, you're getting a replay of the Greg Peterson Experience. Meanwhile, if you're listening to any sort of a replay, if you're listening on podcasts for I don't know what to tell you. If you're on the Visa Bets Bets feed, you might be getting, like, follow the money or something like that, depending upon your timing. If you're not on the Visa Bets Bets feed and you're just listening to a loose podcast, it could be... Bob's World of Globes or something like that. I have absolutely no idea what's coming up next for you. But with that said, 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern, follow the money. Mitch Moss, Paul Howard, they've got you guys covered for the Super Bowl. And they've got you guys covered in terms of everything that we're seeing for this Sports Wednesday. I'm sure that they're going to have reaction to LeBron James becoming the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, which happened literally five minutes before I came on the show. So it was a very interesting night out there. And... Well, the Lakers, as has been the case all year long, they lost. We're going to look to do the opposite with our DK Nation pick for college basketball as we go to a big-time matchup in the SEC as it is going to be Florida hitting the road to face off against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And with Florida currently finding them in most spots as a 9-point underdog, total on this game in a lot of spots is a 147 after a 148 as this is 733, 734 on the betting board. We've seen this total be creeping up and made my total more around a 147. So now that we've seen this rise to 148, 148 and a half, got a nice buy point on the under. But my right up here, it is going to be on Florida. I did set them as an eight point underdog. So seeing this at nine, it opened up at nine and a half. So we've seen this number diminish just a little bit, but I still see some value here on Florida. And I do think that the big thing for this Florida team is that they're going to be able to win the battle down low. You do have a pair of guys. In Noah Clowney, coupled with also Brandon Miller, who are able to give you about 16 and a half rebounds per game for Alabama. Miller has been terrific. Top freshman in all of college basketball, over 19 points per game. Shoots over 40% for three-point range. But Colin Castleton, he has been able to do a tremendous job down low. He's in the top five nationally among qualifying D1 players in terms of shot blocks per game. He's been able to, since the calendar turned to 2023, Registered 16.3 points, 7.8 boards, and 3.7 blocks per game. Absolutely love what he's able to do. And that's a big reason why Florida has been so good on the interior. They are fourth in the country in, ter- in terms of percentage of opponent's shots that they block. And they're seventh in opponent's two-point shooting percentage. Also 18th in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Meanwhile, have an Alabama team that 
They've really been able to bear down on defense as well. Top 10 in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. And got a pair of teams that they do a good job of being able to cut off the three-pointer. Alabama's three-point shooting defense has been a little bit better. Alabama's allowing opponents to shoot 26.1% from three-point range. That is a top five mark in all of college basketball. Meanwhile, for Florida, when they're in a roadside neutral court environment, opponents are shooting just 29.7% from three-point range. That is 23rd in all of college basketball. But the reason why this affects Alabama's a little bit more is that Alabama very much does rely upon the three-point shot. They're 11th in the country in terms of percentage of shots that are taken that are from three-point range as they attempt right around 46.7% of their shots from the outside. Meanwhile, for Florida, more around 36.7 or so percent of their shots come from three-point range. That ranks more around 211th in all of college basketball. So Florida, they rely a little bit less on the three. You do have a Alabama team that has a little bit more depth. Mark Sears is able to give you double figures. Shoots the ball from three-point range. Von Quinterly has come back and has been a nice facilitator for the team. Right around three assists per contest. And then you take a look at this Florida team. And you've got a couple of guys in the backcourt there. Relatively solid. Trey Bonham, Kowissi, Reeves thrown there. Will Richards. These three guys combined for about 28 points per game. It's a... Light shooting Florida team from three-point range. They shoot about 32% as collective. Richards able to shoot a little bit over 40% from distance, but backcourt has been leaving a little bit of something to be desired in terms of outside shooting, but I do think that the overall defense of Florida is going to be able to help them hang in there. And do keep in mind that with Alabama, in every single one of their games in SEC play, they have allowed 70 points or fewer. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a low-scoring slog in this game. You're going to have a lot of possessions. I think that you're going to have a lot of dead possession. So it's a circumstance where I'm looking at the under. And with my DK Nation write-up, I did make Florida an eight-point underdog. So now that we are catching nine with them, I'm going to be willing to take the points. And that is going to be the write-up on the side. And also going to be taking a look at this total under as well. I th find this to be a very fascinating game with a team that has all of a sudden gotten very hot. Let's go a little bit off the beaten path. 665, 666 on the betting board. Stony Brook playing host to Monmouth. Monmouth is a three and a half point underdog with your total between 129 and 129 and a half. I did set Stony Brook as a five and a half point favorite. Tyler Stevenson more their top scorer is currently out of the fold, giving you 14 and a half points per game. But you still have the two Keenans, Keenan Fitzmaurice, Keenan Sarvin, who have both been able to give you about eight and a half points per game. And with Monmouth, it's been really fascinating to take a look at this team because they had scored 57 points or fewer in eight of their previous nine games. They entered into Things about a week and a half or so ago with a 1-20 mark. They've all of a sudden run off three straight wins. It's unexplainable the fact that they have all of a sudden been able to get hot in. We've honestly seen this with a few teams. We've seen this with the Elon Phoenix who are also out there in the Colonial. I'm probably going to be looking to fade them against North Carolina A&T as North Carolina A&T a 3.5 to a 4 point favorite in that spot. I'm going to be willing to lay it with the Aggies. I think that Elon is going to be coming back down to earth. But that said, getting back to this Monmouth game, they've been able to break the 69-point plateau in each other last three games. I don't think that that's going to be the case once again. Last time they played against Stony Brook, they were unable to get past the 65-point marker. You've also got Frankie Poselli, who's going to be the top rebounder for the Stony Brook team. He's been able to supply about nine rebounds per game. Meanwhile, you've got a Monmouth team that, despite the recent success, 
They sell for the year, shoot 64% of the free throw line, below 28% from three-point range with north of 15 turnovers per game. Now, they do generate a little bit over eight steals per game. You've got a pair of guys in Miles Foster, coupled with Jack Collins, who combined to be able to give you a little bit over three steals per game with Mr. Miles Foster. He's been able to give you about 12.6 rebounds per game. And then Miles Ruth has been able to chip in there about eight points per game. Let me pass that. You don't have a lot of offense with this Monmouth team. It's been a bunch as ranked in the bottom 20 nationally in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. Going up against the Sony Brook team at slow and controlled, bottom 75 in the country in terms of total possessions per game. So I think that you get a low scoring slobber knocker in this game. Semi total 127 half, diving under. I'm going to lay up to 5.5 with Sony Brook as well. Let's take a look at a little bit more of a big game 663, 664 on the betting board. Creighton's going to be hitting the road face off against Seton Hall. Seton Hall opened up a two point underdog. Now we're seeing this line at anywhere between three and a half and four. Totals between 135 and 135 and a half. And line move puts me on Seton Hall. I did set them as a three point underdog. Now with Creighton, they've lost just two games out of their last 10 ever since we have seen back in the fold Ryan Kelkbrenner. And Kelkbrenner is a seven foot one gentleman that's able to pop threes. He's been able to do a rock solid job for the team all season long. So getting him back is big. And Ryan Nemar. Cutting down on the turnovers from a season ago. That is very impactful. But the reason why I do think that Seton Hall is going to be able to hold in there is that they've been able to get a little bit more outside shooting out of a pair of gentlemen. Alamir Dawes along with Kadari Richmond. Both of these guys shoot above 40% from three-point range. Richmond has been able to give you also about three and a half assists. He chips in there about five rebounds per game. Good, well-rounded player. And it's a Seton Hall team that they do a good job of being a rebound by committee. And it's a team that ranks in the top 30 nationally. Turns the points a lot on a per possession basis when you've got good overall team rebounding out of all these guys. Terry Samuels will give you about six and a half rebounds per game. Casey Undefu just below six rebounds. Chips in there about two blocks per game. That should be able to help this team hold in there against a Creighton bunch that they've got a really good starting five and they really can't rely upon anyone else off the bench. So I'm going to be willing to take the points with Seton Hall with this total. I did set it at a 137. I think that you get some late game felling Seton Hall. It's been looking a little bit more sharp with their offense. So looking at the over, and I'm taking a look at north of three with Seton Hall, and that leads into our pro tip for our number three, vcin.com slash subscribe. You're able to sort these by show and by sport, and when it comes to betting player props in the Super Bowl, the value is on the under. The public, they love to be able to pound a lot of these guys that they all know and love, and you probably want to be waiting till the end of the week to fire in on these unders. Don't wait to fire in. I'm watching Follow the Money. Mitch Boss, Paul Howard coming your way 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.